Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. When we repent, it deals with the past and it opens up the future for us. When we repent, it opens up avenues of spiritual growth and progress in our walk with God. Repentance is that doorway into a better life that God has for all of us. Repentance is a large part of our spiritual walk. It's something that we're called to do, and not just once, but continually. After all, we just don't stop sinning simply because we asked for forgiveness once. Pastor Ed today examines the practice of conviction and confession and points us to the words of John the Baptist as an encouragement to make this a regular part of our lives. This is the not-so-pleasant part of Christianity, but we can rest assured that our commitment to this will result in incredible blessings in our lives. Now here's Pastor Ed in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, with part 1 of his message entitled, Repentance is the Upward Call. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ. He came to prepare the way for Messiah. In a very appropriate way, those who developed a liturgy chose to put John the Baptist right in the center of Christmas. Now, it's an odd figure to see him in the manger, but he has a place there. Because until we are prepared to receive the Messiah, we could miss his visitation. Just like that first century missed when he came in part. So we too when he comes again, want to be prepared. Repentance is the upward call. It sometimes in people's minds has a negative connotation, but it ought not. Because really, it's a call to a higher life. It's a call to a better life. And so we're going to turn and read the text found in Matthew's Gospel... The third chapter, verses 1 to 12. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judah, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, And he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem, all Judah, and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, I tell you, that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. 
I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. These words are strong words, but healing words. They wake us up, but they help us avoid a crash, an accident. In repentance, we come to grips with what we have done and who we have made ourselves to be. It's very difficult to see ourselves as we really are. We glance in the mirror of God's Word just for a moment and suddenly we pass away and don't recognize the changes that need to be made. Repentance helps us to come face to face with the changes that need to take place in our life so that we can move on that upward way, God's path of holiness for our lives. But until we see ourselves, understand ourselves, recognize our fallenness, our frailties, our sinfulness, we wander around in the wilderness of repetition, just sort of repeating the same old thing, same old thing, same old thing. Never really changing. It's like a rut that we find ourselves in because we haven't come to grips with the message given long ago about repentance, turning to God. Augustine said, before God can deliver us, we must undeceive ourselves. Worst type of deception is self-deception. We think ourselves better than we are. We attribute ourselves better motives than we really have. All sorts of things. And, And God is wanting us to be honest before him and before ourselves. When we repent, it deals with the past and it opens up the future for us. When we repent, it opens up avenues of spiritual growth and progress in our walk with God. Repentance is that doorway into a better life that God has for all of us. John the Baptist calls us to embrace a life of repentance. In verses 1 and 2, it says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judah, saying, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. John had a powerful anointing upon his life. He was set apart by God to wake the nation up, to call the nation back to God. His voice just You could sense the anointing and you can sense the voice of God speaking through him. The whole nation came from the city, from far off communities. And they came where? To a desert. 
Not a very appealing place. Not the ambiance of a beautiful church. But that call was a call from the heart of God to his people. And when John came and he preached, he said, repent. Repent means you simply turn around. You're going in one direction, you turn around and go in another direction. Repent means you think one way about something and you're willing to surrender that philosophy, that way of thinking, and you're willing to embrace God's way of thinking and seeing life. So repentance is a change of mind, a change of direction. But all through the journey, repentance is to take place, not just when you first accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, not just when you sort of fall into some sin and you just feel so grieved and hurt over that, uh, rightfully so, but repentance is a lifestyle. From the beginning of the journey to the end of the journey. From the time you start walking with Christ to the time he calls you home. Repentance needs to be a part of your walk with God. Martin Luther said, when our Lord Jesus Christ said repent, he willed the entire life of the believer to be one of repentance. When John spoke, there was deep conviction that people felt. Oh, that God would just send his powerful Holy Spirit to convict us of our sins. Now we can harden our hearts. We can close our ears. We can close our eyes. And like the people that the book of Hebrews addresses when it says they hardened their hearts And they stiffened their necks. And he was referring to the Israelites. So we often do. But God wants us to open our hearts to conviction. Where he can put his finger on something in our life. And we can feel the weight of that conviction so heavily. Where he could place his hand upon us. And we could suddenly recognize. Oh God. I'm such a sinner deep conviction in Matthew 3 3 to 4 it says this is he who spoke of through the prophet Isaiah a voice calling in the desert prepare the way of the Lord make straight paths for him John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist his food was locusts and wild honey John's dress was peculiar and odd but His dress fit his message. He lived out, he incarnated a message of returning to God, of repentance. Let me ask you, when's the last time the beatitude that says, blessed are they that mourn, when's the last time you've experienced a deep mourning over your sins? A deep grief over your sinfulness. Now, God tries to awaken our hearts in many ways. I remember one time when I was pastoring in another congregation years ago, there was a move of God's Spirit, and all of a sudden I felt 
so unholy, so unworthy. I literally got on my face and I was just lying right on the floor, right on the platform. And it was like in a moment's time, I began to see all the sins of my life. Like they often say when a person is drowning, all of a sudden they remember all of the events of their life, things just go before them in a moment. That's the way I felt. All these different things where I had failed the Lord or grieved the Lord, and I just stayed there for maybe an hour. There was a real, as I said, move of the Holy Spirit, and I just wept before him. That changed my life. That did something so deep in me. When has God just stopped you this past year and you've been aware of things that displease him in your life? A deep sense of conviction over something in your life. Well, that's what happens when the Spirit of God is working. That's what happened in John the Baptist's time. People who were complacent, people who just were living out life, ordinary people felt this deep conviction of sin. I pray that when we walk into this house of worship, there will be times that we sense the deep conviction of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 1.5, Paul the Apostle said, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. In Psalm 139, the psalmist prayed, Search me, O God, and know my heart. If there's any offensive way in me, Lord, deal with me. To just simply come before God and say, God, are there areas that you'd like me to change? Are there areas that you want to transform in my life? There are areas in your life and in my life that God is working on and he'd like to change. Open the door to him and say, God, convict me. Now, conviction and condemnation are different. Condemnation is you have confessed your sins and you just feel like it's a cloud over your heads and it's just following you all through your days and you never get past it. We're not talking about condemnation. We're talking about conviction where the Spirit of God speaks to you and says, son, daughter, come and make things right. That's a part of repentance. A part of repentance is conviction that leads you to the place of repentance. But that conviction leads you to a place, as you repent, you confess your sins. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 5 to 6, the text tells us that people went out from Jerusalem and Judah and all the region of Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized in the Jordan River. Notice, confessing their sins. I was talking to a friend of mine. We both grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Jim happened to go to a, a parish, a Catholic church, where the priests were more strict. I don't know, the parish I went to, they were a little more lenient, I guess. But we were talking about when we went to confession. When I went to confession, I would not want to make a mistake. 
So I, I wanted to be forgiven so I could take communion the next day. That was our, our upbringing, our background. So I would try and think, well, I don't know how many times I lied this week or how many times I disobeyed my parents. So I'd always estimate a little bit more because I just wanted to make sure I was covered, you know. Now, my friend Jim said, I couldn't do that at my parish because when I went and I confessed my sins, the priest would always say, "Mm mm-hmm, you've said that to me before, you know. Uh, Tell me about that disobedience. Uh, Tell me about that lie. And he said, I felt like I was being interrogated. I felt like I was a detective interrogating me. Well, what if you were to go before God and God in his righteousness and holiness simply said, "Mm mm-hmm, tell me about those lies that you've been talking about. Why are you saying that? I think God is more like at Jim's church. (laughs) He would ask us, be specific. See, it's easy for all of us to say here, oh, we're all sinners, we sin all the time. We we know that. But get specific. Hmm. Your attitude towards your wife this week wasn't the best. The things that you said... Hmm, not too happy with that. Uh, you've had a long-standing problem with that lust. Have you dealt with it? God would speak to us in ways that would make us very uncomfortable because he wants to heal us. He wants us to move on and move forward. He just doesn't wink over at sin and brush it aside. No, confession ought to be specific. Well, pastor, I don't feel so bad. This week I've not murdered anybody, not committed adultery. I've not had any real embezzlement problem. And and, uh, when God thinks about sin, he thinks about what's going on in your heart. He thinks about attitudes. And we tend to make our sins little. Other sins are bigger. Oh, your sins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you about your sins. I could talk to you about your, our own sins. Oh, we don't want to go there. But God wants to go there. And so confession involves God speaking to us very specifically about our sins. And being specific with him. Telling him. And letting him tell you. In Psalm 32, 5, it says, I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up mine iniquity. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. He who conceals the sins does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Confession is a part of repentance. When we turn from sin and we turn towards God, when we leave off doing the wrong thing and we embrace doing the right thing, it involves being able to go to God and be under conviction and then truly confessing and seeing those sins for what they are. Confession. Conviction are a part of that turning to God and turning away from sin. That's embracing the lifestyle of repentance. But John the Baptist doesn't stop there. 
He goes on because he wants you to experience the full results, the full impact. He wants you to take repentance and experience that upward call to a holy life. And so he says, bring forth the fruits of repentance. So it's also producing the fruits of repentance. There are results. There are fruits when we repent in verses 7 to 8. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance changes us. It doesn't leave us in the rut. It doesn't leave us walking in the circle in the wilderness. It doesn't leave us unchanged. It changes us. William... Nevin said, real repentance consists in the heart being broken for sin and from sin. So now sin grieves you and hurts you. The sin that once you embraced, now you abhor. It not only hurts you and grieves you, you want to break from it. And so those two things happen. He is broken for sin and from sin. How does it look in our lives? Well, here's just a couple of pictures. The first one is it changes our outlook. It changes us in the inside. That's the fruits of repentance. We begin to think literally different. Before we come to Christ or when we're so influenced by the world, we think the world's ways. We think about life from the world's perspective. We think about people from the world's perspective. We think about ourselves from the world's perspective. But when we are changed by the power of God, suddenly we see life from God's perspective. We see it from a heavenly viewpoint. And that's what's happening in Matthew chapter 3, verse 9. He speaks to the religious leaders. He says, do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. What happened is he saw these religious leaders who knew the theological definitions and knew the scriptures, but it didn't change them. What they did was they took refuge in their religiosity. But John reaches out and rips the mask off them takes away their guard because they hid behind the fact that they were Abraham's descendants. They were Abraham's children. Well, I've been a member of Faith Assembly for many years. Or I've been a Christian for many years. Or I've read the Bible. Or whatever we begin to use, we begin to sort of try to shield ourselves by simply taking refuge in religion. And God is so concerned that we keep an up-to-date relationship with him. And so John the Baptist said, no, don't take refuge in the fact that you're Abraham's descendants. That's not enough. Are you doing the works of Abraham? Are you living in faith? Are you walking in godliness? They weren't. They were caught up in religion. There are many good people that live better lives than you and me, and they're not going to heaven. 
We've all heard the cliche phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season. But the question is this, is he? Is Jesus the center of your life? Or is Christmas just one of the two times during the year that you visit the church? Are you a part of the body of Christ? During the Christmas season, there are many opportunities to stop and reflect on the greatest gift of all. But like all gifts, it's only enjoyed when you receive it. The important part of this season is being sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Are you ready for the King? Have you received the upward call? We'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. Dr. Jones and the entire congregation at Faith Assembly would like to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.